0: right now the purpose of the ministries we have involved in this place and why we come together what does all that have to do with my personal walk with the lord jesus christ with my christian life so that's what we're going to talk about all right verse number 11 it says and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of christ Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. Now that word perfect means complete. doesn't mean without error or without problems or without issue. It means complete, mature. Unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. From whom the whole body, fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Now let's read that last sentence. Making increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in, what's that word? Love. Uh, Pastor Buchanan, would you lead us in prayer and just ask God to bless the, the word here this morning, all right? Amen. All right, you can be seated. You can be seated. Let's let's do this. How many of you? How many of you have ever been to a cemetery? Maybe you've been to a cemetery. Raise your hand if you've ever been to a cemetery. All right. In that cemetery, you'll find you'll find tombstones. All right. And and when you go and you look in that cemetery, you'll find on that tombstone, you'll find you'll find two dates. Right. You'll find a date, and then you'll find a dash, and then you'll find another date. Now, there's some. There's some that maybe maybe their spouse has gone on or a family members gone on. And there's some that's just got the stone there and they've got they've not passed away yet, but their dates there, their name's there, and they're ready to go. Uh that's creepy. Say amen right there. That my name is not gonna be on a rock till I'm under it. Are y'all with me? I, that's just me. That does there's nothing wrong with it, but I just I don't know. There's something about that wigs me out. I don't like that. But when you go to, when you go to that cemetery, you'll find a stone that says something like this, maybe, maybe 1927 dash, say it with me, 1927, say it with me, no, 1927, I'm not pointing at the dash, I'm pointing at 1927, all right, come on now, all right, 1987, all right, all right, now let's try this again, y'all catching on, all right. All right, what's this date right here? That's the date you are born. born. <laughs> what's this date? Yeah. Say it with me. Yeah. The day you die, right? Now, now here's the deal. Between, between the day you're born and the day you die, there's a whole lot of life. There's a whole lot of life. Now, how does that compare... What does that teach us about the Christian life? The Christian life. Because you've got to understand the Christian life is almost just like the physical life. Because you see, over here, there is a day when you are born again. The Bible says that Nicodemus came to Jesus and he said, "Ye must be born again again and i'm going to use the word pardon here for sake of alliteration so you'll be able to remember it later on this is the day we find pardon this is the day that we are forgiven this is the day that we are saved this is the day that the blood of christ comes down and washes our sins away this is the day that he puts our name in the lamb's book of life we are sealed by the holy ghost we have been forgiven we have been pardoned i'm redeemed by love divine glory glory christ is mine I have been redeemed. I've been pardoned. That's the day I got saved. According to the Gospels, it says we are babes in Christ. So we're born again. Then, way over here, way over here, there's going to be a day that we're going to check out of here. There's gonna be a day if the Lord tarries is coming that we're gonna leave here, but our Christian life, now remember that's what we're talking about, not our physical, but our Christian life, our spiritual life, it begins with a birth, it begins with our pardon, but it ends with a prize. Come on, somebody, say amen right there. It ends with a prize. Uh, Peter said it in 1 Peter chapter 1. He said, we have an inheritance that's waiting on us, It's uncorruptible, it's undefiled, and it fadeth not away. Jesus said in John 14, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there ye may be also." Paul said it this way, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Somebody say amen. Hey, there's a lot of stuff we're going to go through on this earth. There's a lot of difficulty, a lot of sorrow, a lot of pain, and a lot of heartache. But, honey, when it's all said and done, there's going to be a prize. Help yourself, Dad. Help yourself. That's my father. If you got something to say, say it to me. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Listen, it starts with a pardon. We are forgiven. It's going to end with a prize. But in between the pardon and the prize, there's a process. There's a process. We love, we love- I mean, you just experience everybody gets excited talking about the pardon now, if you've been where a lot of us have been and you've you, you've had situations in your life and failures and mistakes in your life and and wickedness in your life like a lot of us do, and and you've been forgiven a lot, you appreciate the pardon <laughs> my mom used to ask me and my brother when we would get in trouble and and, and you know because we didn't have. We didn't have time out. We didn't have all that stuff. Y'all know that. We was born for all that. We, we was born in the whooping area. And when you were born in the whooping era, uh, uh, she, would, she would tell me and my brother, I, I'm, I remember she said, do you want justice or do you want mercy? Well, that's a dumb question, amen? Justice is a whooping. Mercy is later, amen? But we are all appreciative of getting mercy. Mercy and grace. Mercy is we're not going to hell. Grace is we get to go to heaven. And, and we like talking about the pardon. We like talking about that. We like shouting about that. We like singing about that. And, and we should do all of that. And man, I tell you what, we love talking about heaven. I love talking about the streets of gold and the walls of Jasper, the gates of Pearl. I love talking about Jesus is going to be there and there's going to be no need of the sun. I, I, get me started, Amen. I love talking about this. But so many times we spend so much time talking about that and we we spend so much time talking about the prize that we forget that when we go out these doors, we're in the middle of a process. And boy, I like coming in here because it brings refreshment to my soul, but we still got to go out there, don't we? We got to go out there in a wicked world. We got to go out there in a wicked society. We got to go out there in a hard place and be Jesus. And we forget we're in a process. We can come here and and, and talk about heaven and forget our problems for a little bit. But our problems are still there, aren't they? This is what I want to talk about today. The process. Because you see, the moment we get saved, the moment that we come to know the Lord as our personal Savior, Jesus goes to work. Now... A lot of us in here have the misconception that we get saved so we can go to heaven. It's just about the pardon and the prize. We get saved so we can miss hell and get a ticket to glory. Now, if that was the only reason we got saved, uh, he would have took us and gave us the prize the moment we got saved. If all I'm going to get out of this thing, if all I'm going to get out of this thing, out of salvation, is the prize, then take me on to glory and don't make me have to go through hell on earth. But see, that's not the purpose. That is a benefit. That's the benefit. But why have you been pardoned? Because the moment Jesus comes into your heart and life, he begins a work. He begins doing something in you, through you, for you. He begins a work. Now watch me, guys. Watch me. Focus on me. He begins something in you, and that's what we're going to talk about today. So three things I want to share with you. I'll do this real quick. Number one, this process that we're all going through, sometimes we don't understand it. Sometimes we can't figure it out. Sometimes it's sad. Sometimes it's happy. Sometimes it's, it's difficult. Sometimes it brings tears to our eyes. Sometimes it brings laughter to our soul. But this process we're all in, number one, it's a process of educating. It's a process of educating. We're going to take everything out of this chapter right here. The Bible says in verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints. The word perfecting there means to furnish. It means to complete. It means to mature. Why do we send our children to school? To educate them, to mature them. Are you all with me? It's, It's about educating. Look what it says in verse 13. We want to perfect them. We want to develop them. We want to mature them till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man unto the measure, the stature, the fullness of Christ. Two things about our educational process. First, we find the subject. The subject, what do we learn when we come to church? What do we learn when we open our Bible? What do we learn when we sit under teaching the subject is the Lord Jesus Christ. From Genesis to Revelation, it all points to Jesus Christ. It all, listen, when you look through the Old Testament and you look through the New Testament, you see one picture, and that is Jesus Christ. He is the theme of the Bible, He is the truth of the Bible, He is the treasure of the Bible. And we learn Jesus Christ. Christ, he says, let this mind be in you, Philippians. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What does he say? I want you to think like Jesus. I want you to act like Jesus. I want you to talk like Jesus. I want you to love like Jesus. I want you to behave like Jesus. Are y'all with me? What are we to learn when we come to the house of God? The subject is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the subject. Now, why don't you see the source of our education? the source of our education. It is the word of God. Now watch this. Watch this. Watch what the Bible says. It says this. We are to teach Jesus. He's the subject, verse 13. But watch what it says, verse 15. Well, let me go ahead and read 14. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the, what's that word? Speaking the, this says, thy word is truth. Now, why is this so important? It says that we be not uh, uh, immature, that we be be not like children. What, what, What does he mean by that? Do you know that children will believe whatever you tell them? They're gullible. They believe whatever you tell them. My girls, forever, when they was growing up with little big kids, they all thought I was superman. Because that's what I told them. Say amen. They believed I could. I was faster than a speeding bullet. I could leap tall buildings with a single bound. Because that's what I told them. Amen. And I said, if you ever bring a boy home, I'll kill him. Say amen. They still believe that. Amen. I don't, I don't know. I haven't told them any different on that one. Amen. But they just believe that stuff. Because they're children. But do you realize a babe in Christ is the same way? When a person first comes to know the Lord, they, they're not really sure about what they know or what they're not sure about what they believe. So sometimes a baby Christian can be deceived by a charlatan on TV. I've seen baby Christians turn on TV and there'll be some turkey on there that's got a tie on. He's supposed to be a preacher. and supposed to be a man of God. And he's saying all kind of junk and all he's wanting is your twenty nine ninety five. And they'll believe him because he's supposed to be a preacher. And a preacher's not supposed to lie. Well, guess what? You say, how do, we, how do we deal with that? How do we avoid that? How do we handle that? Oh, the, it's, it's easy. It's not complicated whatsoever. The only way to attack a lie is to know the truth. And when the man of God tells you the truth, you say, how do I know if it's the truth? It's in the book. Bring your book when you come to church. Bring the Bible. Compare everything to the Bible. Because you're going to run into all kind of people in this world who's going to try to tell you this and try to tell you that. You need to believe this and you need to believe that. And what you need to ask them, say, give me chapter and verse. Because I don't care about your opinion. I don't care about, uh, listen, your theories. I don't care what you think. I need to know what does God's Word say because that's the only thing that has authority in my life. And you see? When we get saved, when we get saved, when we're pardoned, we begin the process of learning. We begin the process of educating ourselves and, and studying and reading the word and reading the Bible and, and hearing, teaching and preaching. So we can know who Jesus was. We can know how he behaved. We can know how he thought because, you know, we're, we're to be Christ-like. Y'all with me? So this process is a process of educating. But then the second thing, watch what this verse said. In verse number 11, it's all out of verse 11. Verse 11 says, and he gave some, or excuse me, verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints, that is educating. Now watch this. For the work, say that with me, for the Oh, that's almost a dirty word, isn't it? Old man said for Halloween he's going to dress up like a job and scare his children to death. (laughs) Boy, we're living in a society that don't want to work no more, aren't we? But watch what it says, watch what it says, for the, of the ministry, now what does that mean? Alright, let's compare it back to the physical life, we send our kids 12 years to school and then we expect them to get a what? A job, amen, that's that's it, you don't need to live off your parents forever, they, they've done, they gave you everything they owed you and fed you for 12 years, get your jobs, amen, Hey, it's the same principle. God wants us to develop us and educate us. Now, now we got to understand we have a process of employing. Not just a process of educating, but a process of employing. He's got a job for us to do. The first verse in that chapter, the first verse in that chapter describes it clearly. He says, you need to walk worthy of the vocation. What's that word mean? Vocation. Job. That's not complicated. Walk worthy of the vocation, walk worthy of the calling, walk worthy of the job that God has for you. Now, there's two things about your job you need to understand. Your spiritual job, your spiritual employment, your spiritual calling, if you will. Two things you got to get, and it comes right out of this same chapter. First, I want you to see the provision for employment. The provision for employment. It says this in verse number 7. Now, now here's the thing. Some people have the idea that, that spiritual work or ministerial work is just for preachers and staff people and missionaries and, and people like that. But do you realize every single human being in this room right here, you have a job to do given to you by God. Let me prove it. Watch this. Verse 7. Verse 7. Now, read it with me. But unto how many of you how many every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of christ wherefore he saith when he ascended up on high he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men what does that mean jesus had all the gifts The gift of administration, the gift of encouragement, the gift of exhortation, the gift of service, the gift of prophecy, the gift of prayer. He had the gift of of servanthood. He had the gift of giving. He had the gift of mercy. Are y'all with me? He had all of them. When he went back to glory, he shared them with all of us. He shared them with all of us. You know why? Because you had a job to do. God is not going to call you and give you a job to do without giving you the ability to get the job done. One of the most important verses that Paul ever said, he said, I'm glad the Lord counted me faithful, putting me in the ministry. But in that same chapter, in that same verse, this is what he said. He enabled me. He didn't just give me a job to do, but he gave me the ability to get the job done. Do you realize David was called down into that valley to fight that giant? But it wasn't David's skill in throwing that rock. It wasn't David's accuracy with that sling. It was the power of the Holy Ghost that got the job done. It wasn't, hey, it wasn't Samson's uh, strategy. It wasn't his military technique that, that gave him the strength and the winning over those Philistines. It was the power of God that came on his life. I guarantee you. I guarantee, Listen, I'm telling you. when God was calling me to preach, when God was calling me to do that, I said, no, 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 no. I don't want to do that. I'm shy. I'm scared to get up in front of people. I don't like being around people. I don't like getting in crowds. They make me nervous. I'm telling you, that is me. That is me. There's like a force field right here. I don't even know y'all are here. I said, God, I can't do that. He said, I know it. I don't want you doing it. I'm going to do it through you. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, y'all, y'all, the only way you'll know it is to get with me out in public. You ask Brother Buchanan. He's rode with me several times, and he makes fun of me. God don't even love Brother Buchanan right now. He don't. He just makes fun of me because he don't have that issue. He's not shy. He'll talk to anybody. He's weird. Say amen. But he thinks that's so funny that I don't, it just just wigs me out, you know? And I'm thinking, Lord, why are you, what is, I can't, I can't do this. I can't do this. He said, but I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you. Because if I call you to do something, I'm going to do it through you. And you know what God kind of showed me too? (laughs) He'll never call us to do something we can do. Because then you can say, Look at me. I just don't know about this thing God's calling me to do. I don't think I can do it. And it's probably what he wants you to do then. Because I guarantee you, somebody said, how do you do that? I said, it's him. David could not take any credit for killing that giant. Samson could not take any credit for what he did. He had to. It's all about him. And you see, you have a calling. But with that calling, God gives you the provision to get the job done. He gives you the giftings. He gives you the ability. But then the second thing I want you to see under the employment, not only the provision for employment, but I want you to see the placement. Say that word with me. We see the now watch this. Now this is important. Now y'all gonna think this is funny, but I'm not really meaning to be funny. I'm just telling you, this is important. The Bible says, from whom the whole body fitly joined together in other words god places everybody where they need to be so we fit so we fit it says this it says this in romans 12 verse 4 for as we have many members in one body and all members have not the same office first corinthians 12 18 but now hath god set the members every one of them in the body as it hath pleased him what does that mean Uh, everybody don't have the same responsibility Everybody don't have the same giftings, and everybody don't have the same office. What's that mean? Everybody don't need to be singing. (laughs) Are y'all understanding what I'm saying? Now, I would would love to be able to sing like Brother Jalen. I would, man. I would love to do that, but God knows I'd be a heathen. I'd be like Frank Sinatra, man. I'd be wooing everybody. Woo. I mean, I'd be all about it. God saw me. He saw my personality. He said, no singing for you. Amen. (laughs) I'd love to do that, but that's not my calling. God didn't give me that gift. But you know what? There's a lot of people that get bent out of shape in churches because they want to do something, but God's not giving to them. They get bent out of shape when they can't do it. And here's the reason that's a problem. Because all you're doing is focusing on everybody else's gifts, everybody else's calling. You ain't spent time with your own. If if you'd figure out what yours is and practice it and get good at that, I'm sure you would enjoy yours more than theirs. That's a God's truth. I I, I don't know if I should admit this. Yeah, I'm going to. My dad's here. My dad's here. (laughs) <laughs> He's over here on the front. If you ever see a cane waving, that's him. That's him. Uh, I grew up a preacher's kid, so so I grew up in church my whole life. And my dad, my uncle Chucky's back there. He can testify. I got more people and witnesses in here. And uh, and and my dad used to preach and and in, in, in the old-fashioned way, in the old-fashioned style, and and all and uh, and and you know, uh, 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 preaching hard and sweating and hollering and everything, and it was real, I mean, when you look like you was fighting bumblebees while you was preaching, that was normal, and that was, that was the way it is, that's the way it worked, and man, I love that, man, I grew up watching that, I mean, my dad would preach so hard, uh, sweat would be dripping off his tie, I mean, he'd be going after it, didn't even take a break, didn't even take, he needed oxygen at halftime, amen, I mean, going after it, and when I first started preaching, I, 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 man, I just, I wanted to do that, I wanted to be like that man, I wanted to preach like my dad and and, and, and I was very reserved and I, I mean I'm very calm and and, and, and scared was meant more out of mortal fear, but I, I, mean, I was very reserved and I asked my dad one time I said, I said, "Dad, when am I going to holler like you?" And you know what he told me? He said, "Son, you ain't got enough behind to holler like me." Well, <laughs> that's spiritual, isn't it? I'm just I mean didn't even break the word to me or nothing, just broke me down. But you know what? He helped me understand. He said, you don't need to be like me. He said, you be you. He said, God didn't make any more you. You can be the best you if anybody can be. Just be you. And boy, that helped me. That helped me real- I didn't have to be like nobody else. How many of y'all have realized that it's a struggle trying to be like somebody else? God didn't gift you to be like somebody else. God gifted you to be you. And God wants you to be you. God wants you to use your gift to be a blessing to others. Are y'all with me? Amen. And here's the deal. We fit. If you're in this body of Christ. We had like uh I don't know 7, 6 or 7 families joining in the last service. It was cool, man. It was I mean they spread out from there all the way over and and new people joining up. And you know what God is saying? If God calls you here, you fit. You fit your personality, your giftings, everything about you, you fit like a glove here. And we need you. We need you. Because this brings us to the third one. We are in a process, ladies and gentlemen, every day of your life, every day of your life till we receive our prize. We're in a process of educating. We're in a process of employing, putting people to service, getting involved in the work of the Lord, doing what God has called us to do. Then we see... There's a work of edifying, a process of edifying. Say that word with me. A process of edifying. Now, that word edify, it's a very simple word. It means this, to build up. Literally, literally in the Greek terminology, it means to build a building. It means to build a building. To build up, to, to embolden, to, to strengthen, to lift. Are y'all with me? To build. We're to build one another. Do you know the Bible has several verses that talks about uh, not cutting one down in our speech, but building one up? That cuts all the gossip out, guys. Can't gossip no more. Can't talk bad about people no more because we can't tear them down. We got to, come on, we got to. It says we're to seek those things which bring peace and unity and harmony and those that edify one another. Now watch this, three things under here, three things under here, three subpoints under here. Just write this down quick and we'll we'll pray. Everybody's, every Baptist's favorite words, in closing, amen, in closing. Three things, write this down. A, don't you see the method, the method of edifying. How do we edify? How do we edify? Watch what it says in verse 16. Watch what it says in verse 16. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted, watch this now, here it is, by that which every joint supplieth. Now, the word supply there means contribute. It means contribute. Everybody in here is a different part of the body of Christ. Everybody in here has a different gifting. Everybody has a different responsibility, a different office. But when we are all contributing, good things happen. Watch. Just a while ago, just a while ago, we had folks up here contributing with sign worship. And then we had some folks back here contributing with singing. Are y'all with me? And then we had some folks over here and over there that was contributing with music playing and instrument playing. Uh, Listen, they was all of them using all of their gifts, contributing. And when they was all doing their thing, it cranked my tractor a while ago. I was sitting over there on that on that pew right there, and I was thinking about the good things of the Lord and what God has done for my life, and every breath needs to praise the Lord and shout to the Lord, Bless God, I was about to come this high off the ground. And you know why? Because they were up there contributing in their gifting. Now imagine if we had to go to church without that. Think about that a minute. What if they just all decided, I'm not contributing? I'm not going to use what God gave me. I'm just, I'm, I'm not going to do that no more. Wouldn't this be a boring service? I tell you what, it'd be hard to preach after no contribution. Don't y'all just love, don't y'all just love when you have that that, that, that sports party and, and, and watch the ball game and everybody brings the pizza except one guy and he brings appetite? I see y'all been there. You know, all the time, you call them over, they don't do nothing, they don't bring nothing, don't bring a Coke, don't bring a paper plate, don't bring a pizza, all they bring is their self and an appetite. And you want to say, brother, you need to get with the program. Nobody likes a mooch. Right? Hey. You know. Nobody nobody likes a freeloader. Nobody likes to go out and work hard, work hard, work hard, come and, and, and be a blessing. And then and, and somebody over there that won't contribute nothing, but all they do is come in with appetite. But see, we got people in church every week that's willing to come and receive, but they're not willing to contribute. The only way this edifying stuff works is if we all contribute. Let me me read before y'all think I'm just getting picky. From whom the whole body, the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which, by that which, by that which every joint or every person contributes. Now, I think we have a pretty good volunteer army at Temple. Probably better than most churches. But you know what? If 99 out of 100 are contributing and just one isn't, we're still missing something. That one may be the one that contributes that thing that just makes this shoot off like a rocket. everybody's got something i don't think i have something you do or the bible's lying and yours is important you may not can preach you may not can teach you may not can sing but you can do something you may not be attending preaching but you're attending something and the greatest misconception about a large church is they got plenty of help greatest misconception about a large church and it's the greatest lie the devil will tell. Oh, they don't need you. See we see we we got we got in a large church, we can just slip in and we can slip out and nobody knows we're here. But see, you're not going to get fulfilled in life that way. Cuz just as much as we need your contribution, you need to contribute. If as much as I didn't want to do this in my life when I was 17 years old, as much as I I was I don't want to say I was angry at God, but I wasn't real happy, and I didn't want anything to do with it. If I couldn't do this right now, I would go crazy. There's times I get frustrated, and there's times I get weary and tired, and I'm thinking, "Man, I just." But I'm telling you, I, I, my mind—I I, can't—I can't not do this because there's so much fulfillment that comes through me doing what God's called me to do I can't imagine my life not doing what God called me to do and see the method of edifying is everybody contributes see you need to be in one of these life groups so you can contribute your gift so you can be an encouragement to somebody so you can help build somebody up so you can be a blessing to somebody so you can pray for somebody you can are y'all with me listen it's so important it's 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 I'm telling you it's life or death it's that important we need your contribution not only do we see the method but this is the motivation it says edifying it itself verse 16 edifying itself in what's that word love say that with me say it with me love. listen you should want to build somebody up because you're supposed to love them we're supposed to love one another in here. God God said, uh, people, don't, people are not going to know in this world, they're not going to know that you're my disciple because you go to church. Because there are people to go to church and then go to the bar on Friday and go to the crack house on Saturday. They're around religious people all the time. That don't mean anything to people. But when they see you love somebody, And show love to unlovable people. They're going to say, there's something different about that cat. Jesus said, by this will they know you're my disciple. If you have love one toward another. Y'all with me? And this is the coolest part. We see the method of edifying. The motivation for edifying. But this is the cool part. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? Pay attention now. Pay attention. You're gonna miss it. The masterpiece of edifying. Now watch. Now watch. What did we say? What do we say the word edify means? Build to build up. All right. If we're building a building, if every week we're coming and we're building, we get in our life groups and we're building, we're building, we're building, we're building, we're building. What's the building gonna look like? What is the building going to look like when it's all said and done? When God is through with his process, what's the building going to look like? Watch what it says in verse 13. It says in verse 12, we're completing, we're educating, we're employing, we're edifying. We're doing all three of those things till, till, verse 13, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect or complete man unto the measure of of the stature, of the fullness of Christ. Verse 15, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him. Do you hear that? May grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even... Christ it's like when you ask a little kid what do you want to be when you grow up I want to be an astronaut I want to be a lawyer I, I want to be a, a, a fireman I want to be a policeman you know what when you ask the baby Christian what do you want to be when you grow up I want to be Christ because you see the whole process the whole process is designed for one purpose Romans eight twenty eight. For all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, to them that are called according to His His purpose. What is His purpose? Verse 29. For whom He did foreknow, He did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son. And do you realize the moment that you are pardoned, the moment you are forgiven, Jesus begins a process to develop you into Christ's likeness, develop you into the image of himself. He wants you to be like him. He wants you to think like him. He wants you to act like him. He wants you to behave like him. He wants you to love like him. And everything in your life that you're going through and facing, it's just a part of the process to conform you to the image of his Son. Hallelujah. What does that mean? You say how's that helping me? Because all things the tragedies, the divorces, the addictions, the hurtful things. The, the 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 things that you didn't see coming. The things that even others try to hurt you with. Joseph said his brothers, you meant this for evil, but God meant it for good. What I'm trying to tell you is even when your enemy comes against you and brings things to try to harm you, God will snatch that thing out and turn it around and bring it to your good. Everything in your life, everything that's caused tears to your eyes, everything that caused smiles to your faces, every single thing you have faced in your life is just part of the process of God carving you into the image of his son. God taking things out that doesn't need to be in there. God putting things in that needs to be here. So when it's all said and done, before you receive your prize, you're going to look just like his son. The Masterpiece. Why is he putting me around unlovable people? It might be you need to learn, learn to love. Why is he making so many things come into my life? Maybe you don't have no patience. You see, God doesn't do things on accident. And whatever you're going through in your life, just understand, hey, it's a process. When you leave here and something happens, just say, "Hey, God, I get it. It's a process." What area do I need to be more like your son? And I promise you this. I promise you this. If you'll understand that, it'll change your life forever. Because there's a lot of people here that's gone through very hurtful things. Very painful things. But I promise you, it's just a process. Because one day, when he's through, when he's through, that prize it's going to be worth the process. Paul said it this way. Pop, I know you're listening. Did Paul not say for the sufferings of this present time cannot be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in that day? Preach what I'm saying. I'm just saying this. Everything you've gone through, everything you're going through, everything you're going to face, one day, it's all going to be worth it. It's all going to be worth it. And all God's people say it. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for the attention of the people. Nobody got up today. Lord, They was very attentive, and I appreciate that. I really do. God, I thank you for the, the message that you've given us. Thank you for the transforming truth that we have studied today. God, there's some folks that need some grace for their process. There's some folks that need some mercy for their process. There's some folks that need to come to this altar right now and say, God, help me with this. This is painful. This is difficult. I don't know if I can handle it, but, but God, with your grace, I can. Let them come and so we can pray for them. We want to edify one another. We want to, we want to help one another. We want to encourage one another. There's some folks here that need to get saved. Lord, they need to come for your pardon. Lord, we've got people at this altar. Be glad to take a Bible and show them how to be saved. All they got to do is ask one of us. Say, I want to be saved. I, they need to come right now. Come right now as every head's bowed, every eye closed. No one's looking around. If you need to trust Christ as your Savior, you come right now. Maybe you need to join up. Maybe this is where God has called you to be. Maybe this is where you're going to fit. Maybe this is where God is placing you. I want you to come right now, right now as we give this invitation. We're going to sing. Say, this is it. I'm, 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 I'm all in. I'm all in. This is where God wants me to be. You come and meet one of these altar workers and we'll be glad to help you. God, if there's somebody here, Lord, that's just discouraged, maybe they're just going through a difficult time right now, let them come and we can pray for them. We can be a blessing in this time. And God, will thank you and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Use this invitation for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As we sing, I want you to stand. Everybody stand to your feet. If you need to come, come on. If God's dealing with your heart about salvation, there's there's folks already at the altar.